Left. Right. Right. On tonight's episode, we are talking about what changes you would like to see in the United States. I think we got a decent list on our own. Let me know in the comments what changes you would like to see in the United States. And uh, see you guys on the other end. Thanks for joining. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 What's up, guys? This is episode 120 of Sip Talk. My name is Justin Julio out of my basement in New Jersey, and I'm with James, the Bosnator Boswell, and David Boswell. James is a philosopher a professional referee, a bartender, and an accountant. David is a political scientist, and you're also working in the accounting field, right? Uh, more secondary markets and loan sales. Mm, okay. Sounds very exciting and very relevant to the topic of conversation today. What changes would you like to see in the United States? James, you said you guys were just uh, perusing some data what was that data? You want to share that? Looking at polling data, um, the question is, in general, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with the way things are going in the United States right now? We got 27 years of data in front of us. 27 years. All right. Well, while we prepare to digest that, I'm going to make myself uh, a little cocktail. What are you guys drinking over there? Johnny Walker Red. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a scotch on the rocks, but it doesn't have the umbrella in the drink, so it's not a true scotch on the rocks. Is that, is that how that works? Make it again. <laughs> uh, Futurama again. fans out there, they'll understand the reference. The what fans? Futurama. Oh, all right. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I'm going to try to make a little bit of a spritz here with uh, the limited ingredients that I have. I have some old champagne, so I don't know how spritzy it'll be. Um, and I've got, how would you pronounce this? Sinar? I would say Sinar. I heard somebody on the radio call it a Chinar. No. <laughs> Which did not make any sense to me. <laughs> she said, well, it's Italian. And that's how, how you would say it in, in Italian. Um, but I'll do, Sinar, for anybody who's not familiar with it, is a, um, uh, what, do you, what do you call that plant? Fuck, artichoke. It's an artichoke liqueur. Oh. Like, why why would you buy that it's a it's 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 a common ingredient to some uncommon drinks if that makes any sense so if you're trying to make some uncommon drinks that's it's a really bitter and sweet uh it almost looks like the color of jägermeister it looks like an amaro but yeah it's it, it's very like you could substitute this um you could substitute amaro with this and make a similar more bitter cocktail um it's got kind of a nice almost like a barky type type flavor i don't think it tastes anything like artichoke and i'm gonna throw in a little champagne to open that up and sweeten it up a little bit and let's see if we have oh yeah all right there's some fizz there and while you're doing that, we gotta say hi to maria salas our our consistent fan maria uh welcome maria welcome mrms welcome 
Jen Jen. Welcome, Red Dive or Redrive Rock. Red Dive, Red I don't Red Rive Rock. Um, and welcome, guys on TikTok. Hi there in uh, Alabama. Nice of you guys to join us. So, what we want, if you guys are watching now, we're going to talk about what changes you want to see in the United States. James is going to open up on some data while I enjoy the cocktail I've just prepared. Share with us that data, guys. Well, so we took this data, dumped it into an Excel, and um, nobody cares. That no, no, no. <laughs> I'm glad that you're handling this data, uh, you know, very, very scientifically. When, what do you think the lowest rating was for the United States in terms of like percentile that people thought the country was heading in the right direction? What do you think the low score was? The lowest of the, the, the country is heading in the right direction, and this is over a 27-year period. Yeah, but let's just go with the last 15 years. Oh man! Well, then I mean, you're kind of looking at you're looking at kind of it's Bush. Years. You're looking at Bush leadership, and then Obama leadership, and then Trump leadership. Yes. Um, I'm going. When was it? It's lowest. Damn, because I feel like I feel like the easy answer that anybody's going to jump on is going to be Trump. But I actually think you're going to have more people in that data range that are going to be feeling more strongly that the country's going in the right direction. And then I'm going to say, you know, kind of Bush leading us through the, the war in the Middle East, basically, that things were pretty bad. But I also don't think that the, the country was as polarized back then. I'm going to say second term Obama, which is, I think, probably the least likely answer. What is it? And what factors do you think are at play here? So when I give you the dates, it'll make sense immediately. Between 10-3-2008 and like 10-15-2008. So October of 2008, the score was between 7 and 9%. Wow. Okay. And, and when, when did it change? Well, it started improving afterwards. I can sort it by date again. But basically, that was at like the height of the recession in 2008. Mm -hmm. Right before Obama was elected. Yes. Um, and then the second lowest score was actually right after the January 6th riot. Mm. Which one? Oh, so that was second lowest. Okay, so I guess fin finances actually play a, a pretty great role in that. 9-11 um, was third. 9-11, yeah. Uh, oh, I guess that was within 15 years yeah wow no how, how i was going further back i wasn't trying to go for any low-hanging fruit like i uh, you know i was thinking at some point during the trump presidency but um uh, i guess i was it hit its lowest point right before he left office but like the height of the coronavirus in like july of 2020 he was at like 13 um, okay and like right before Obama left office, we we're in like the mid twenties. What was that? What were the high points? See the Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, hold on, gotta sort it. <laughs> of course. Um, at the end of the, actually, I don't have to sort it. All right. So at the end of the nineties, like early ninety nine, it was at about seventy percent. It's like ninety, wow. like the early two thousand one period 
So like basically anything in the very late 90s and early 2000s. And when was Bush elected? 2000. 2000, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then that started to change. 2001. Shit. Uh, right. and- End of Clinton and the beginning of Bush is when the country was at its like highest level of optimism. Wow. Well, you know, yeah, well, that makes sense. I think, you know, Clinton had been president for a while. Things were going good. And then people, you know, things were going decent. People were happy, but they were expectant that things would get better. And, and that, you know, and that's probably what was leading people to think that the country was heading in the right direction, that change was change was on the horizon and things were good already. And that particular change they believed to be inevitably good. Um, so. I assume that you guys like me come to the table with a list of things that you would like to see change in the U.S. Am I right on that? Yeah, there. you want to leave this one off since you feel strongly on this one? Sure. Well, the, the reason we looked at this data was one last little bit. There's another one right now. It's at 47% thinking we're going in the right direction versus, uh, well, it's not necessarily 53. Some people aren't sure. Anywho. Uh, if you take that out and split by party affiliation, 87% of Democrats think we're heading in the right direction. 87% of Republicans think we're heading in the wrong direction. So the wow. start split there, which leads me to the first thing is just how politicized the vaccine has become as a partisan issue. I want everyone to get the vaccine so we can get back to normal. The fact that this Delta variant is taking all these people and sending them to the hospital, that's not good. We're, we're on the wrong direction here with the graph. I'm yeah, I'm still not a big fan of vaccines, but I think they're a very good idea. And I think the fact that it has become politicized is absolutely ridiculous. There was there was one politician that basically commented something on Twitter and then took it off saying, of course, I didn't get the vaccine. I'm Republican. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and I think that was Minnesota. I think it was somebody in Minnesota, which is, you know, a lot of these Midwestern countries are really getting slammed really hard because they have the lowest vaccination numbers and now the highest hospitalization rates. And we're nearly two years, well, no, we're a year and a half into into this pandemic. And uh, this is wild, man. It's It's just wild that now there's, and the weird thing about this vaccine is in the beginning, Trump claimed it as his and the, and the left, side was saying oh this is too fast we need you know we need to make sure it's good and then basically trump disappeared vaccine was no longer coming off of his lips and you know republicans tend to be more anti-vax so now you have the anti-vax crowd pushing that anti-vax agenda and that's on the right side so the right side is now more anti-vax so it we we actually flipped really fast so that's my thoughts on that I think just the politiza- politicization of everything is something that needs to stop. Like there, there are some, like sure there are some political issues, but there are plenty of issues that shouldn't be political. They should just be empirically and analyzed. So, but what? So, David. So, what would you what what would you name this change? Um. Right now, it seems like the position of the Republican Party is just to reflexively do the exact opposite of what Biden is advocating for. Uh, I'd like that to stop. I don't know what to call it, 
it just seems everything they do is designed just to throw a wrench into the gears and not, not even throw a wrench in the gear like sugar in the tank like just shut it down they, they you know there's but that's what my literally the third thing on my list is no more two-party system complete complete uh, political reform where we just get rid of the two parties and you know we're already doing in new york city rank choice voting and i think i don't know exactly how we would enact basically getting rid of the two parties because i think even if we tried that the two parties would still have would still carry a lot of power moving forward but i think we need to open up the political spectrum a little bit more because right now really we're not able to work together because it's just seen as black and white yang or yang you know it's it's one or the other there's no there's no there's no harmony it's not yin and yang it's just yin or yang and uh and i think that's really really bad for the country and we're having agenda driven laws rather than consideration driven laws that are that are coming in the legislation is you know new york uh, a pretty progressive state is is the, these laws that are coming in are just they're really fucking the state and a lot of people are leaving new york so laws. what's that what laws well there's a lot of very very hardcore uh left-wing real estate laws so they just enabled good cause eviction laws which means you must have good cause to do an eviction which i thought basically the judge the current eviction laws as far as i was concerned the judge was basically the one deciding whether it was good cause or not and most landlords don't want to evict people just for fun. Most times people are being being evicted is because they haven't paid rent or they're a nuisance or, you know, one of many kind of lousy reasons. Landlords don't like vacancies. And most landlords, even the smaller landlords, aren't trying to reclaim the property and like put their friends in there. They're trying to use the property to make money. And a lot of these good, you know, one of the biggest premises of the good cause eviction is that, um, non-payment of rent isn't is no longer a good cause so that doesn't make a lot of sense to me well if the person has a reason for not paying rent like losing a job or the rent there was a rent increase uh you know basically they can they can just stop paying rent and take it to court and the judge has to say well that you know it's covered by good cause it's a really uh I had a chart on my phone a, a while back. We could, we should actually, we should bring Jamie back on James and talk about the good cause because it's really wild laws right now in New York state. If you're renting, it's basically as if you own the property, nobody can ask you to leave. And it, it, the, the laws are just really, really crazy right now. So, um, but I, you know, I don't want to, I'm just saying these are agenda driven laws by a, very loud minority and they're really screwing it up for others and they're making property ownership that basically it looks like the state is looking at renting as like a right and that people can't ask people to leave property just for not paying they want to make uh private ownership more like public ownership and you know, if you've ever seen public housing, New York state owned or New York city owned public housing, it's not good. So nobody, nobody, everybody would rather live in a private landlord's residence than public housing. There's no question about that. 
but the state is making it very difficult for private landlords. So we can digest that in another podcast. Um, what else is on your list, David? You want to? See, it sounds like you want to see a little uh, political reform between the Republicans and Democrats. I kind of want to go along with your idea, and this is corollary to it, which is that we need to get rid of the Electoral College. That's probably one of the biggest changes that I would Ooh, like to see. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. And, and explain on that a little bit. The, the Electoral College just does not make sense to me anymore. Like, 200 years ago, fine. But at this point, it's reduced the presidential contest to really a select five to seven states. And like maybe one state or two will rotate out and a new state will rotate in depending on the cycle. But it's made it so that a huge portion of the country isn't really relevant for the election. Well, do you know anybody who's pushing for the Electoral College? Yes, Republicans. Universally. And, and why is that? Because there's a significant advantage baked into the Electoral College for them. In, what, in which ways? So you can look at, for example, Wyoming gets three electoral college votes. They're two senators plus they're one house representative because they're a very sparsely populated state. And so you can look and calculate how many people get per, how, what the population per electoral college vote is and see that, and then compare it to a more populous state like California, New York, Florida, or Texas, and see that the amount of people required to get one electoral college vote in Wyoming is way less than a larger state. So it means that if you live in California or New York or Texas or Florida, your vote is less powerful than someone who lives in a less populated state because they it takes less people to get an electoral college vote in one of those states. Yeah. And we, most of those states that are sparsely populated are Republican states. And so you've got these Republican states that have outsized influence based on their population. And well, let me, of the last three presidents we've had, two of them have at one point lost the popular vote. Am I correct on that? Yep. Bush lost in 2000. He lost a popular vote and Trump Ooh. lost a popular vote in 16. 16. So, yeah, Trump lost to Hillary in 16. And then was it Gore or Kerry? Gore. Kerry was, lost the popular vote. Kerry lost the popular vote. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I really think we need some major voting reform in the U.S. To me, I... Uh, you, David's probably definitely not going to agree with me on this one because you're a lot more liberal than I am. But I think we need to have, I think voting needs to be streamlined. And I think there needs to be a, a very basic voter ID law. I think, you know, the, the, the arguments against the voter ID are silly at this point. I think you need to have some 
form of ID to do anything in the United States, anything at all. To get on a plane, you have to have some type of ID. To buy liquor, you have to have some type of ID. The fact that you can just go to the poll and say that you're a person and you get to vote to me sounds really, really silly. And I don't think that by requiring some form of photo ID, you're cutting off a huge amount of the population. David, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's a solution to an imaginary problem because voter fraud is supremely rare. Of votes cast, it's like sure, but I'm not saying, but I'm not, I'm not saying because of voter fraud. Three million people. So I'm saying it's a restriction for no legitimate reason. There is not voter fraud. It is a restriction that gives no benefit. All it can possibly do is keep some percentage of the population from voting. So no, there's really no good reason for voter ID laws. You have to be registered. You have to show up. You have to have your signature match. And they don't allow- Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather show up? For me, it would be a lot easier for me to come with my driver's license or any form of ID than have my signature match. My signature is some scribble with some sort of a form of a J in there. That's it. And I've been asked uh, on some some occasions to rewrite my signature and saying it doesn't match. I've had checks not clear because the signature doesn't match. But I think I think the voter ID law would would clear up a lot of this bullshit conversation. If you just need an ID to, to get in to you know, show proof of self. I, and, and then we just shut up the, the Republicans and and. And that's it. They're, you know, they, they've been appeased on that respect. What's that, James? Middle ground compromise on this one. I think that the Derb's arguments about who voter ID laws affect is valid, and that voter voter fraud is extraordinary, extraordinarily rare. So it's not really a problem. So, they, but, but then it wouldn't be an issue. But then it well, wouldn't be an issue. The, so. Voter fraud basically doesn't exist. Its prevalence is like somewhere between one, between like two and three million people for every one case that you actually find. So that's not an issue. However, if, and, and the reason why voter ID laws are generally pursued much more by Republicans than Democrats is that the people who are less likely to have ID are the people that are more likely to vote Democrat. So if you can make it so that less people can vote for your opponent, why wouldn't you? But what think about but hold up, hold up, hold up. Who doesn't have ID? It's 2021. Everybody has an iPhone. Not people in very rural areas who are so poor that they don't have a vehicle, which means they don't have a driver's license. They have a birth certificate somewhere. Do you want them to bring that? Right. So it's these people. Do you want them deciding your president? These people don't have access to internet. They don't have a vehicle and they don't have ID. Why they had Jim Crow laws and literacy tests. You can't do that. Yeah. So here's the thing. The people that don't have voter IDs, these are people you've never met or really experienced in person. I'm on the same page with you there. But what I'm saying is these people can somehow register to vote, right? If they want want to go and, you know, go to a uh, rated R movie or go buy booze or something like that. You know, they have to have some form of ID to do that. I think voting is a very important thing. And I think there needs to be some basic level of protection around voting and, ver- you know, versus signature matching, which, you know, is kind of garbage on that. Oh, no, it totally is. But so here, just hear me out on the compromise. 
because I think that both. I'm open know, to a compromise. I, here's, here's my compromise is an obstacle to a lot of people getting ID is cost. A lot of people don't want to spend the 25 to $75 to get an ID that they don't think will be useful to them. Okay. Because they're probably right. It won't be useful to them. So if we, I think that if you're going to mandate some form of ID to vote, then you need to make issuance of the first copy of an ID free. I would one up you on that. I think that's very, I think that's a very low ask. I think it's very reasonable, but I also think there should be some type of digital, um, I don't know, index of IDs that anybody could be searched at any, I mean, think back 20 years ago. It causes all sorts of other problems. I understand that it does, but what I'm saying is that at some point we're going to be in the future and it's going to be soon. It's also going to be later. We can decide at what point in the future we want to be in the now. Right. And, and I, I think that ultimately that's where things need to go for our society to progress. We're not even close to there. No, we're there. not close to it. But these are the people that don't even have Internet. And I'm not I'm not talking about high speed Internet. I'm talking about lowercase Internet. <laughs> lowercase Internet. Yes. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean. Yes. I also think. Yeah. Well, so I. Uh, let me hit. Let me hit some of the bullet points on my list here because there's certain reform that I want to get to in a, in a minute. And I want to. I I don't know what's on your guys' list. It sounds like these are kind of some some big deals right in the in the beginning of your list. The first thing on my list was religious influence on laws, and you know, and that has to do primarily with marriage and abortion. I think those okay. are. Those are two big ones. I didn't put a lot of thought into this, but it was literally the first thing that popped into my head because you have a country where people have. What's that? What's that should that? be the title of our podcast. Which is what? I didn't put a lot of thought into this. It's just the first <laughs> thing that popped into my head. Well, but I think that's pretty easy. The fact that we live in a country where there are millions <laughs> of people with many different religions, and then we have certain religions that are basically imprinting their values on our legislation and and to me that's fucking wild that 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 would be the case you know can you think of any any other religious influence on laws outside of marriage and abortion gay rights gay rights yeah to me in general being able to discriminate against gay people because you don't like gay people i mean like being a worker because they're gay not be not being able to fire a worker no being able to fire a worker solely because they're gay can you do that in some states <laughs> what at your chick-fil-a well actually no not anymore because there it was the supreme court case that actually kavanaugh wrote the decision on that it was about transgender discrimination that is fundamentally an issue of sex discrimination so no actually at this point federal level you can't but that's but- very recent. Well, but that's fucking wild that sexuality isn't like, well, I mean, it is now apparently, but, but the fact that sexuality is something, it's basically, my thinking is like, <laughs> just let people do what they want to do. Let people live up to their own values. Don't, imp- don't enforce your values on somebody else, especially when those values are religion based because religion is an imaginary construct. And if you believe in it, by all means, believe the hell out of it. But don't push that on other people that don't believe in it. 
it's an imaginary construct. It's make believe. All right. On to uh, my next, my next thing was eliminate the two party system. I don't know the best way to to to, to do that. Um, we could actually probably do an entire podcast episode on, oh, on that. Going along with your your religion thing, yeah. Our general policy on drugs. Yeah. Well, is drugs religion influence? Oftentimes, yeah. What do you know about Judaism or uh, Christianity that outlaws drugs that, that would be in a legal setting? My body is a temple. <laughs> Fuck out of here. It's not a Christianity issue <laughs> or, or, or a, uh, a Jewish issue. <laughs> no, your body is a temple and you're not the soul. That's why Jews can't get tattoos. Oh, oh, is that, is that really, uh, is that yeah, actually not, out of the Bible? I thought, I, I thought. Terrible shape. No, 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 not me personally. I, well. You know, I, they're 100% right about that. As a Jew, you're not supposed to get tattoos. And if you're Orthodox, you shouldn't have any piercings either. Like, well, and like really the only piercings that even like kind of reformed Jews will have is like women will have like an ear piercing or something. And that's kind of like even stretching a little bit. Yeah. The, that, the. Fuck, I hate saying this shit when we're being recorded, but uh, you know, I've been I've been exposed to to religions in ways that I never have before. Once you live in New York City, and it's really weird to be very you know close with somebody who believes things devoutly and does things a certain way, just in in total belief in something that you just completely can't understand or even fathom. Running, let's keep running through them. Islam, you can't have alcohol. Uh, coffee is actually kind of pushing it. Um, Mormonism. Yeah, no caffeine or really any drugs whatsoever. No nicotine, no caffeine if you're a Mormon. And that is reflected in their laws. It's only recently that you're able to get beer that's over 4.5% alcohol by volume in the state of Utah. So weird. It's but so that's bar you order with the bartender face to face, and then he still has to go behind this like uh, frosted glass screen. Uh, they call it the Great Wall or something. I don't know. I've never had a drink in Utah, but our parents went out. The bartender has to go hide, make the drink, and then come back because God forbid kids see alcohol being prepared. It's like the Wizard of Oz. But that's exactly my point. How silly does that sound? It's 2021. And that's a religious influence over law that doesn't make any sense. The majority of people who witness that say this is some fuddy-duddy shit. People in Utah. But exactly. So how do we have a political system that allows uh, one state to influence the rest of the country because they think one thing or the other? I think we need to completely separate religion and state. And that there needs to be some type of council that's involved just saying this. And I'm, I'm going to get there about this special council, which is this weird kind of quasi dystopian type situation. I'll get there in a second. But, it's the judicial system and ultimately the Supreme Court. Yes, but that's I'll get there. I'll get there. All right. My next one. And this is something you guys will probably agree with me on is gender neutral bathrooms. All right. I don't think we should have a men's room and a ladies room anymore. I just think we should have multiple restrooms that people can go in. However, there's a couple of issues with that. One, guys piss in the seat and, and men's rooms are way grosser than ladies rooms. So every bathroom needs to be a urinal and a toilet. So guys can take a piss standing up at the urinal. 
that's easier. I any guy would rather piss in a urinal than than, than aim at a toilet seat. We we all know that. And uh, and if they got to take a crap, they can sit down. And the ladies will sit down most of the time. And for the most part, that'll keep it clean. There, we might need to do some rejigging, some replumbing, but you know we're always building new buildings, and that just needs to be code. Any new buildings have. Subject, I'm going to interject here. On this subject, I would just like Americans to be a little bit more uh, conscientious while they're using public facilities. Where are these people from and why is it so hard for them not to literally smear crap on the walls? What is wrong with people that feel the need to do such things? Yeah, I've always wondered when I walk into a public bathroom and it's just been destroyed. I'm like, who? what motivated you to do that? Dude, people have these weird, kinky, sexual, fucked up things. These people need to be put on trial. This shit needs to be publicized. It'd be like, oh, this motherfucker sheared, smeared shit on the walls. You, you know, back in the day when they used to put you in the, what are the things called? Quarters or something? Stocks. Stocks. You were putting the stocks. People need to be putting the stocks and, and, and it, it, there needs to be a sign that reads, this motherfucker smeared shit in the walls. Like that needs to be a thing. Are we going to tar and feather people too? I'm all for that. If they, if they smear shit on the walls in the bathroom, come the fuck on. And nobody's going to disagree with me unless they're one of those fucking weird people that think they're being kinky and shit with their thumb up their ass smearing shit in the wall. That's weird shit. I don't think tarring and feathering is an appropriate punishment for really about anything. What about pooping and feathering? Pooping and feathering. Well, you could you, you could smear poop on them. It's the crime. You but could the problem is they might enjoy it. A brown eye for a brown eye. <laughs> well, that that causes pink eyes, my understanding. All right, but here here's my here's my thinking: is we need to we need to build code into future building structures that accounts for gender neutral bathrooms. A bathroom is a bathroom. Men and women both piss and shit, and they need to be able to use a room and piss and shit. And we can add a bonus and have a urinal in there so that men are less likely to piss in the seat. I think that's fair. Moving forward. As a compromise until we get there, can we at least retrofit the existing bathrooms? Can we do it the way that the Europeans do it? That's my notes. Damn way down. Yeah, that's my notes. Gaps between like the, the boards. <laughs> pooping. Pooping with friends. What do you want to do today? All right. Sorry. So, so Raj said when we speak over top of each other, we cut each other's audio off. But what what and i just cut you off what david was saying was having but this is my notes having bathroom store dolls that having bathroom stall doors that <laughs> that don't stop 14 inches above the floor and leave three quarters of an inch crack so that while you're taking a shit you can watch the people walk in and wash their hands like that's really weird i saw a picture of some covid urinals where one it had stickers like you please every other year like no, every guy should intuitively know that. If it's five, you go into one of the end ones. If it's four, pick a side. You never pick, like, the one in the middle. That's weird. Yeah, Anywho, these, are, these are just the rules. These are the rules. And also, uh, what I was going to say about uh, urinals. Fuck. We'll, we'll come back to it. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think there is kind of a dude code where you don't, especially when you're up, up against a urinal bank, there's multiple urinals. If there's space, you don't step right next to a dude. I think that's a pretty reasonable thing, but <laughs> oh, this is the other thing. It was um, the barriers that you have between urinals that usually stop about here. 
because of COVID, they wanted your breath, so they, they moved them up and they're opaque and then like another three feet. Like, why was this not the case before? Yeah, this was just a good idea. It's just the current bathroom set setup just doesn't make any sense. And you know, also everybody's super worried about having somebody look at their at their PP. Like people gotta get over that a little bit. And then the guys that do look at, at, at other guys' dicks you know, need to be punched in the kidneys. Like there needs to be a bat, you know, in, in New York city and a lot of clubs we in lounges, we got bathroom attendants. Those guys should be like watching the guys from the back who are taking pisses. And just when somebody looks down at the other person's dick, the, the bathroom attendant needs to just kind of walk up and punch him in the kidneys. Sounds like a bathroom bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that also, would... Can you think of a worse job? Oh. I don't think it's that bad of a job. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, the guy wants to make some money. They usually they make tips like by all means. I like tipping the guys in the bathroom because think about what happens at a bathroom between 11 a.m. and 4 a.m. I'm sorry, 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. Like, it's nice to have somebody in that bathroom. That's a respected position. I have a lot of respect for those people. I get Would it. It's that job. If I was new to a country and I didn't speak the language, I would probably take that job. I, I mean, it, garbage, man. What's that? I would take it over garbage, man. I would take that over garbage, man. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I would much rather be a sanitation worker than have to spend all night in a bathroom listening to people do their business. Um, I, I completely agree. <laughs> that was easy. Wait, sorry. Did I just change my stance on that? Yes. Yeah. Fuck, I disagree then. I disagree with my last name. Sorry, I got a text from a landlord. They got a competing application. And... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm telling I'm going to have checks for him in the morning. Either way, let's move on. Next thing, media reform. And what I think is if we have a news outlet, whether it's a TV station or a radio station or a web page or whatever it might be, and they're news-based, like they're, they're declared news, right? Like it's not an opinion website. It's not like a fun website. It's a news outlet. I think that news outlet needs to be held accountable for any bias or opinion in their reporting. Who determines it? Well, that's where I'm getting on to this kind of quasi dystopian board. That's kind of watching over this. And I think we need, I think we need to have, because guess what's happening is we have all, we have news sources that are coming out of the woodwork right now and they're not credible news sources even though they might look like news sources they have people behind desks and they have banners but they're not real news sources and they're giving these biased and opinion-based uh, reports on the news and it's swaying people's opinion i think news needs to be needs to be completely unbiased and obviously everybody is going to be prone to biased but there needs to be some enforcement some fines things along those lines and I don't know how to deal with it exactly, but what I am saying is that it's something that I think needs to change. Media needs to change, but not in the way that you're recommending because it's not quasi-dystopian, it's dystopian. It's fully, yeah. Yeah, it's fully dystopian. Um, the way to fix the news media is to remove the financial incentive. If everything is based off of advertising, you want viewers, you want to make things as exciting and dramatic as possible, which means you're constantly finding something to make today's breaking news headline when it's really non-consequential. And then you see the spin. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's trying to get viewership, and that's what caused a lot of issues. Um, <clears throat> all right. The next one I have is more of an infrastructure thought, and that's that our country as a whole needs to have future forward thinking, um, whether it's healthcare or you know health prevention, disease prevention type healthcare infrastructure. We need to have better infrastructure, better roads. I think we really need to look into rail. Uh, I think the the country's rail system is complete garbage. The fact that it takes me two hours sometimes to make a trip that takes me 40 minutes by car, I think it's silly. If it takes me 40 minutes by car, I think it needs to take me less time by rail. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a pretty easy straight shot. I think we need to have higher speed rail transportation. Um, and on garbage and recycling, I think that needs to be something that's really dialed in. I think right now it's kind of a free for all and that's garbage in itself. Let me ask you this question, because this was on my list and you touched on it lightly. Um, cause I think that the way that we do healthcare in this country is completely bonkers, but let me start off by asking this question. Should healthcare as an industry be for profit? That's a good one. Because obviously, you know, when you have a, an entire industry that's state run, I was just talking about state run housing and how garbage that is. When you have something that's entirely, uh, you know, run by the state or run by the country, it ends up being pretty lousy. That's not what I was saying, though. But not when you when you entirely, yeah. I'm but what should the industry be run for profit? Well, profit is certainly something that drives the industry. Um, hmm, that's a really tough one. What are your thoughts on that? No. It should not be for profit. That's a perverse at all zero. But so you're just going to eliminate the profit entirely. Profit should not be what drives any decision making in medicine. Take it out of the equation. Yes. But who? But then where? Where's the push for innovative healthcare? You can still have companies that are trying to innovate, and like so, you you can have like basically a two tiered system. So on the provider side, for patients that are actually receiving care, you make that so they're billed at cost. So that like the cost of the building and the equipment and the staff that are working and the doctors and all those people, they're paid adequately for their work. And healthcare does cost something, but having profit built into that cost, I think is wrong. Because as Derv said very well, having profit in life or death situations or other people or, or, or even just regular health decisions causes problems because you might end up, if you're trying to profit off of a patient, then you're going to order more tests and more medication and all this other stuff because you make more money based on the amount of services you provide. Healthcare is something that you should be providing to a need, not above or below. But if you're not driven by profit, what are you driven by? Well, the, the healthcare. Who's people, innovating? Who's innovating? So then here's the second tier of the system. And this is where 
if you are a company, let's say you're a drug company and you're trying to find new drug candidates to cure whatever disease, right? You could have research sponsored by the government. So the government says, here's a whole bunch of money to you guys to develop this drug to cure this disease or whatever. And it would be to cover the cost of the R&D and everything else. And you can have private companies doing this, but you make it so that the companies are still incentivized to research because they're getting paid to do so. But once those drugs are complete and they're working and shown to be effective and everything else, those drugs just become kind of part of the public good that the now nonprofit service providers can use. So there's still an incentive to research because there's still money to be made by the researchers and doctors at drug developers that people are going to say, hey, I can make a lot of money doing all this complicated research, but you don't, you eliminate the profit of it. So that way you don't have people that are diabetic having to pay $500 a dose for their insulin. I think, yeah, Uh, I do. I, I, I'm definitely, my only concern is just really the innovation of the industry. That's, that's my biggest concern. Under, understood, but that, and, and, and I'm more so it being nonprofit. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not arguing with you on that. I just feel like there's there's a greater incentive now to profit wildly by by innovating. At whose expense? Well, exactly at the taxpayer expense, at the expense of the sick people. So, Justin, how what's the sickest you've ever been? Um, there was a time when I was right before I moved to South Carolina. I had some really bad uh, flu-like cold, my uh, throat, almost like a strep throat. I was really super sick, and I was very concerned that I was going to die because I could barely swallow. I didn't have health care, and all I really felt that I needed was some type of, uh, what's, what's the thing, uh, antibiotic. And I, I, I couldn't afford to, one, go to the doctor and have it prescribed. You can go to a pet store and you can get antibiotic powder for aquariums. It's the same. It's an actual, it's a thing. You can go, it's the same antibiotic. You have to measure it out and dose it, but you can get antibiotics for cheap. Learn that okay. uh, in San Diego seven years ago. All right. Wait, you well, can get, wait, you can get antibiotics from a pet store. Is that for real? Yeah. It's for, uh, for fish tanks. All right. Derv's missing my point here. <laughs> all, right, all right. Fine. But my point is, when you got really, really sick 13, 14 years ago or whatever, did you do anything to cause that to yourself? I probably ran down my immune system pretty hard. Okay. But like, I'll blame Jack, Jack Daniels. But. but did you really do anything to cause that to yourself? No, it was all Jack Daniels. Yeah, right. not me. So this random act happened to hit you and if you had really wanted to deal with it, you probably would have had to spend a couple hundred dollars going to doctors and on medicine and everything like that. And of yeah. that couple hundred dollars that you spent, probably 30 to 40% would have been profit for the, the doctors and the, the healthcare. So it, again, it's, it, you're, you're, punishing, you're punishing people who for the large part don't have a control over their situation. They got sick, they got injured, not because they were doing something categorically stupid, but because they're people and that happens. And so to have 
healthcare kind of selectively and randomly profiting off of people that are unlucky enough to get sick in one way or another, to me, seems wrong. You know how much chemo drugs used to cost? Still do. How much the HIV cocktail costs? Still does, but it's covered. I mean, if you're, those are things that you literally cannot live without if you are suffering from those uh, illnesses. Well, you can't live with if you can't afford them and you don't have health insurance. Right. So what I'm saying is we need to have a way of taking care of these people that couldn't otherwise afford it because they didn't cause it. It just happened. But I I think you're onto something because we haven't said universal health care for all. The system stays as it is. And then the government just foots the bill. Your approach wasn't the government's going to pay these exorbitant prices and we're going to continue this for profit medical industry. What you said was. Say that again. What I what I think the best solution is is a public option that's going to be income based. Uh, I think a public option is good. I, obviously, there is some cost to to to, to health and healthcare. There's a cost to it, but you're this, this, we're getting into this eight nine minutes into the conversation about healthcare and covering the high cost of the healthcare is really looking at the symptoms, right? Whereas the cause is the for-profit industry that's driving the price. And the, our, our last eight or nine minutes, all of it was about this absorbent cost to it. And that needs to go away. That I did. Yeah, exactly. So we need to be addressing the cause rather than the symptoms. And I think we're on the same page about that. So let's, uh, let's move on to the next week because we are running a l- little bit out of time, but I want to be able to make sure that we're able to cover... Um, all of all of our topics here we're 48 minutes in um all right i have police police reform and i think police need to be seen more as public servants and less as terminators right like just robocop type guards that shoot at people that are wrongdoers and they shoot tickets to wrongdoers i think the police need to be much more service oriented and for the people than just prosecuting wrongdoers. Well, I think step one is that we need to revise what we ask police to actually do. Well, what do we, what, what do police do right now? They just, what's that? Everything. They handle evictions. They handle mental health crises. They handle, they they only, but they only deal when someone is infracting the law. No, no. They deal when someone calls them. They have well, to respond to every call they receive, whether or not it's a legal issue. Yes. And and how do they handle that? You know, if you give somebody a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. How, how do they handle that? They're not their job is to show up with a gun. Right. And and enforce. You know, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, n- peace you know, via, via gun and threat. Well, you look at some of their training and a lot of times, and I can find the articles later, they'll hire these private companies to do this training. And it's so militaristic where they're talking about the people in the field, the, 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 the citizens that they're sworn to protect as the enemy, as insurgents. As well, that's, that's my point is that rather than looking at them as servants, we're looking at them as people who hold a gun and solve problems with a gun, right? Now, is the solution to 
defund and give that money to healthcare organizations, or is it to reform and have police be more service oriented when there's a cat in the tree, your local police officer goes and helps the cat, right? Not the fire department because police officers need to be, have a community presence, right? And they need to know what's going on because they need to know if there's gangs, gang activity. They need to know if there's drugs being sold. They need to know what's going on in the community. They can't just show up and make a decision on the spot as if they're not part of the community. They have to be part of the community. So when it comes to healthcare, should we be educating police to deal with healthcare the right way? Or should we say, hey, police, you're just going to show up with guns. So we're not going to let you do that. We're going to have somebody else do that. I don't think we should be asking police to help with healthcare situations. Right? But, but where's, but who's drawing, the, but that's the issue is who's, who's deciding whether it's a mental health issue. The neighbor that just hears one operator, the, the neighbor, but, but, but that's being, that's being basically distilled through the person that's making the call. Right. I hear loud noises and it sounds like fighting coming from downstairs. Yeah. It's a mentally retarded person who's strapped in his bed. Did I ever tell you about this sublet that I had that the first morning I, I was there at about 615 in the morning, it sounded like someone was being murdered on front, you know, from one of the lower floors and the window in, in the bedroom faced kind of the, the common air shaft between the buildings and it just echoed up through the building and it literally sounded like somebody was being murdered. I ran out into the, into the rest of the apartment. It was a three bedroom. And one of the guys was awake and I was like, dude, what the fuck's going on? He goes, Oh, it happens every morning. It's just a guy on the first floor is retarded. And this is what happens when he wakes up. But I would have thought for certain someone was being murdered. So if I call 911, I'm like, somebody's being murdered. They're not going to say, let us, let us send mental health care. They're going to send the police. Well, they so, probably ask you more than one question. Well, but but it's being distilled from me. So so you train the 911 operators, but really it's up to me. So who's well, showing up at the end of the day? The police. So if the police are only going to show up with guns, they're only going to fire bullets. There's one very good example of this where an African-American um, social worker slash therapist was with his patient. Uh, his patient was having a breakdown. He's mentally challenged and runs into the street and the healthcare worker was trying to grab him and the cop shoots the healthcare worker. Even after the healthcare worker's like, don't shoot. He was like trying to calm him on the ground. Like, no, 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 don't shoot. And then, then they, they fucking shot him. Fucking Miami. Uh, but that's... In uh, Cleveland, Cleveland. he's a kid with a little BB gun. Within seven seconds of getting to the scene, he can kill the 12-year-old. It's when everyone, like you said very well, when everything, when, when, when you have a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail and they have, they have a hammer. But that's my, but that's my point. At this point, unless you reform the police so that they can wear more hats, these are people that show up with guns and they solve problem with bullets. What I'm saying is let them wear the same hat and get other people who are wearing different hats on the scene. Yes. But, but I, but that's what I'm saying is that it's not up to who's that up to who shows up to the scene. And that's why I think I don't think we should have one role in society, somebody to be the person that shows up with guns. I think these people need to be better trained. Well, there's that, too. But what I'm saying is that if you have a 911 operator who's decent at their job, they should be able to get most of these situations right and say, hey, this sounds like a social worker. Oh, this sounds like police or whatever you need mixed teams you can't put that you can't that's a well yeah i mean i i'm not 
making $15 an hour making that decision. They need to have social workers that are also in these groups. They need to be going out with, they need to be able to make that assessment there. Because well, if yeah. they have a gun, you also need the cops. Because if someone has a gun, yeah, you need the cops. Well, all right. So so we're gonna we're gonna hit the hour mark. We got five minutes left, a little less than five minutes. Less than that. Rosh says we hit the hour. All right. Well, I got from when we went live, which is when we get kicked off, we got we got five minutes. So I got two more things. And I'll just touch on them. We can maybe pick them up the, the next episode. But I got school reform because schools right now are funded for the most part locally, which means you have a major differential between one school to the next school. And then the next thing I have is court reform. And I was just thinking about it today, not related to what we were talking about, but about how you have a jury of your peers. What I want you to think about is how dumb is the average person? Oh yeah. Well, the 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 question is, the question is, how dumb is the average person, right? And and everybody I've asked this question to today is like, yeah, they're retarded. And then I'm like, yeah. Now imagine half of the people are actually dumber than that. And half of them are on your jury, probably more actually. <laughs> well, yeah, they're the ones that are manipulated by, like the 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 attorneys. So those are some things we can pick up in the next podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Especially see, Lisa. Jen, uh, comments. Say as always. So, yeah. Uh, hey, Lisa. Uh, a little late arrival, but we're n- it's nice to have you. I see Miss Raquel. I see Matt Abriel. I see Christine Nevins. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mishmish. What's up, Mishmish? And hey to you guys on TikTok. Looks like we lo- we kind of ignored TikTok tonight, so... Um, my apologies on that, but, uh, thank you guys for joining. Don't forget to subscribe to the audio podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere you can find your audio podcast and go to YouTube, search sip talk, find us, subscribe. We're going to be doing some really cool stuff over the next couple of months, much cooler than us just getting drunk, talking to each other. I mean, that's cool for us. It's a little less cool for you guys, but we have some cool guests we're working on lining up. I will share more with you guys. Uh, a little bit later on that, I want to thank Rosh Kaleb, who is feeding us your comments. Rosh is running Sip Talk podcast, the Instagram page, and he is in tune with everything that's going on on the live discussion. So thank you to Rosh. Thank you guys for joining. Anything you guys want to add on our way out? Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. All right, guys. Adios. Cheers, guys. See you. My friends, you've made it this far. Now is the time to like, subscribe, make comments. I understand the podcast over. you got better things to do and you've lost interest. But uh, now is the obligatory time. It's just what's got to be done. So uh, make some moves. Click that comment button. If you have not already, click that subscribe button. See you guys next time. If you click the subscribe button. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.